Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is MPB News. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Monday, March 23rd. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the latest from the state health department, including new testing centers. Then we talk to medical professionals about the do's and don'ts on the coronavirus, plus how places of worship are adapting to social distancing. That's all coming up. The Mississippi Department of Health is introducing a new triage system in an effort to more efficiently test for and identify cases of COVID-19, the disease caused by the novel coronavirus. Dr. Alan Jones is the chair of the Department of Emergency Medicine at UMMC. He explains how the new triage process works. So starting Monday at 8 a.m., any citizen in and of the state of Mississippi We'll be able to access a COVID-19 triage system through the CSPIRE Health app for those with a smartphone and through a traditional telephone number for those with, without a smartphone uh, or a landline. Um, the service uh, will be provided again to any citizen in the state and it will, there will be no charge for it. Um, it is a triage system specifically for uh, an individual that is concerned they may have uh, symptoms consistent with COVID-19. The way the system will work is uh, on the app after a brief registration process, the, uh, I'll call them a patient, the patient will enter into a virtual waiting room and will be picked up by a UMMC clinician. The UMMC uh, clinician will go through a screening process, and if the uh, patient qualifies for testing for COVID-19, according to criteria that we are coordinating with the Mississippi Department of Health, then they will be scheduled to a time the next day at the fairgrounds where they can have that test performed. Uh, If they do not qualify for testing at that time, they will be provided some COVID-specific information, uh, and they will be uh, encouraged to call back if their symptoms change uh, after that event. 
testing will be done at the fairgrounds location seven days a week from nine to five. Up to 128 appointments a day will be available for people who show symptoms of the virus, including fever. Screenings will be done by appointment only. To get an appointment, people must answer questions either by telephone or by using a health app created by Seaspire. But Dr. Jones warns individuals must schedule through the triage system in order to be tested. Once that schedule for that day is full, the, the citizen will have to call back the next day in order to, to get triaged or to get scheduled. And I should emphasize that if you don't go through the, the triage process through the ceasefire health app, if you do not do that and you just show up at the testing site, you will not be tested. You have to have an appointment, and with that appointment we're pairing an identification number that you will have to present in order to be tested. So if you just show up, you will not be tested. Dr. Alan Jones is the chair of the Department of Emergency Medicine at UMMC. The Mississippi State Department of Health will now be keeping an active list of local COVID-19 testing sites throughout the state. The list has been provided to the health department from local county emergency management agencies and local providers. Currently, 19 facilities across the state are testing for COVID-19. The list will be updated daily when positive cases are updated on the MSDH website. Like most states, Mississippi is facing a shortage of personal protective equipment, or PPE, while combating the coronavirus. State Health Officer Dr. Thomas Dobbs says many of the supply lines for masks, gloves, and gowns have dried up. There is a shortage of PPE across the country. Everybody wants it at the same time. And it appears pretty clear now that when the feds started taking all the PPE to deploy it to high-risk areas, the normal supply chain dried up. So the stuff that y'all would normally get every month isn't coming anymore. It's not so much that we're using that much more than we were, although we are using some more and people want more, but the stuff that used to come in regular is no longer available. So um, the Department of Health has a small amount of PPE, and we plan to get every bit of that out by the first of next week and get it to people, but it, it is a paltry amount compared to the need. Um, that's a whole conversation. We're working closely with FEMA. Our political leaders are extremely engaged with their, with their partners in Washington, and we are making every effort to get every bit of protective equipment that Mississippi needs. Dr. Thomas Dobbs is the state health officer of Mississippi. The health department is also recommending all restaurants and bars suspend dine-in service in order to help slow the spread of COVID-19. They say this recommendation is consistent with the social distancing principles from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Governor Tate Reeves is scheduled to make an address via Facebook at 3 o'clock today. To stay current on the latest developments concerning the coronavirus in Mississippi, visit mpbonline.org slash coronavirus. Coming up, we talk to medical professionals about the do's and don'ts of the coronavirus. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. If you ever miss one of our locally produced shows or want to simply hear it again, you can find what you need at mpbonline.org or download our podcast app to your smartphone. MPB programming is on your schedule at mpbonline.org.
This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. With the number of COVID-19 cases in Mississippi expected to grow, health professionals are making efforts to inform communities of the risks associated with coronavirus transmission. Hand hygiene, social distancing, efficient testing measures are hot topics in the fight against COVID-19. Our Desiree Frazier joins Dr. Christian Weaver, staff physician in infectious diseases at the VA, and Southern Remedies' own Dr. Morgan McLeod, assistant professor of internal medicine and pediatrics at UMMC to discuss it all. So it's it's something that's continuing to evolve. Uh, it's something that right now we believe that most children and especially sort of young children don't tend to be getting severe disease. What we're starting to see is that a lot of sort of younger children and teenagers actually may be more asymptomatic carriers. So unfortunately, they they carry the virus and they may be shedding the virus. And so when they come into contact with people, they have no symptoms whatsoever, but they're actually passing on the virus to someone else. Um, There is some emerging data that in sort of the young adult population above the age of 20, sort of up to around 40 or so, that there there are some ill folks around that uh, in, in the hospital at that time as well, too. And so it's been it's it, the the literature is evolving, like I said, but right now we do see some folks that unfortunately are young and have no health issues whatsoever that are getting severe disease. So again, it's really important for everyone to stay away from each other as much as possible, practice good social distancing and hand hygiene. It's flu season. We still have the flu. When does a person decide, okay, I'm going to go in or I'm going to call and see if I can make an appointment or maybe I'll try home remedies to treat what I'm feeling? I think that the most important thing you can do is to get in contact with your doctor if you do have concerning symptoms because they're the ones that they know you and that they they know, oh, this is typical sort of allergies for this patient versus, wow, this really sounds different for her. Um, I need to get her you know, taken care of and we'll figure out what to do. Uh, I think it's uh, it's going to be a case-by-case basis, and I would talk to your primary care physician about that. We're still seeing a lot of people out moving around. Your concerns, do you have concerns about that? I have concerns about that. Yes, for sure. I do. Um, I think that some people may not be taking this as seriously as they uh, think because they have that Superman mentality that I feel fine or I I may get a little bit of a cold related to this. What's the big deal? The big deal is we have, uh, unfortunately, in Mississippi, we have tend to, we tend to have a sicker population than other states in the United States, and so we are very concerned that if people are not taking this as seriously as they need to, that they could be spreading it either asymptomatically or with just mild symptoms to somebody who is at very high risk of developing complications related to this disease. Mm -hmm. I agree 100 Um, percent. I definitely see more people out than I would like to see. Um, If you can work from home, definitely work from home. It It's a hard time right now, as we were talking about, because people do need to go to work. They need to get paid. Um, But we also have to think about it. If everybody takes this seriously, the time frame for this hopefully will be shorter. Um, But the more we disregard the recommendations of social distancing, the harder it is for us to be able to get this virus under control. Um, And that's only going to continue to add more strain for these kind of Um, problems that we're talking about. So if people could take the social distancing seriously, um, hopefully we can get a better handle on this virus in a more timely manner. Okay, so we understand the elderly and those with compromised immune systems are at a higher risk. If you live with someone in those categories, how do you manage that in a home? There are 
there are recommendations for people that are in those sort of home uh, situations about, you know, what to do. And the recommendations are unfortunately very vague, which is try to separate as much as possible. Um, and I don't have a good answer to that question right now in terms of what to do, because the some people, unfortunately, they don't have the financial means to you know, rent a hotel for a couple of days, or they don't have any other family members that can take care of that person or, you know, things like that. Um, some people are sort of adopting rooms that are just sort of the quote unquote isolation room for if there's a sick person in the household um, to sort of quote unquote quarantine them into that room. Um, and they're cleaning as much as possible. They're practicing good hand hygiene, all of the good things that you need to be doing in a public health situation like this. Are there any questions that came up that you think are important to mention right now? Maybe a question that someone said, oh, that's a really good question that people need to hear about. I think some of the biggest things is rescheduling your non-essential visits and trying to stay home. Um, the other thing is when to go to the doctor and when to seek care. And we're definitely not telling people not to go to the doctor. But if you're having mild symptoms, it I would recommend calling your doctor before rushing up to the clinic or running to the ER. Um, our ERs are already inundated with sick patients before COVID happened. Um, you know, people are still having heart attacks and strokes and having all kinds of common things that we normally are seeing for reasons people to be rushed to the ER. Those have not stopped. And if we have people with mild symptoms running to the ER, they don't have the staff to take care of that. And testing is limited right now, but UMMC is working on one? Yes, it's in the process. Um, and Tests are becoming more and more readily available, um, but for now it's still pretty limited, and so we're trying to save the testing for people who are in the hospital and sick, um, healthcare workers that have had ex potential exposures, and as well as you know some of our patients in the clinic would qualify for it as well, um, and so that's why it's recommended to talk to your doctor because we're not swabbing everyone that comes in with a cold. Um, the CD, and that's that's not because of our own decisions. Those are recommendations from the CDC and the health department. Um, so, The need for blood products is still mm -hmm. ongoing in Mississippi. And so um, if people are trying to figure out, is there another way that I can contribute to society or to, you know, the healthcare situation at large? Um, when schools close and businesses close, they lose, uh, the, the Mississippi Blood Bank loses the opportunity to do blood drives at those areas. And so over, I think it's over 50% of their blood actually comes from those blood drives as opposed to individual donations. So within a couple of weeks, the, the blood bank is unfortunately going to start to have, have to start rationing blood and things like that. And that's, mm -hmm. that's something that could obviously affect the healthcare, you know, uh, the healthcare system very, very quickly and would be very difficult for, because people are still going to have babies. They're still going to get into car accidents, they're still going to have ur urgent surgery needs, things like that. And so if you as uh, a person of the public want to contribute to things, call the blood bank and make an appointment. Thank you both so much for sure. taking the time to speak with us about this really important issue. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having us. Dr. Christian Weaver is a staff physician in infectious diseases at the VA, and Morgan McLeod is an assistant professor of internal medicine and pediatrics at UMMC and host of Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. Coming up, how places of worship are adapting to social distancing. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Churches in Mississippi, along with countless others across the country, are suspending Sunday morning worship services in response to the coronavirus. Some, like Broadmoor Baptist Church in Madison, are utilizing already existing technologies, like live streams, to continue reaching its 4,000-member congregation. Pepper Carter is the Communications and Events Minister at Broadmoor. She tells MPB's Ashley Norwood, although the church has been streaming services for years, the overall Sunday experience is still different for most. For most of our church families, it is significantly different because they are used to coming into the building for their worship experiences. Um, What we've asked our families to do is kind of share pictures of how they're worshiping online together so we can see what they're doing. And it's really kind of neat to watch families come together either around the computer screen or around the television where they are sitting in front of the monitor. They've got their Bible out. Um, They're engaging as best they can. We have an interactive chat that's going on at the same time so people can ask questions and we can refer them back to the sources in the the scripture, where the preacher's preaching from and things of that nature. Um, We also open up time for people to share prayer requests and concerns and we point them back to the other avenues where they can, um, you know, address those later throughout the week. I know you're doing a lot of of work to make sure um, those in your community are are getting spiritually fed, but how important is it to make sure that you are spiritually fed during this time? Mm. I think that it's critical to make sure that you are spiritually fed at all times, Um, not just in this time, but, you know, 24-7, whether we're worshiping online or whether we're worshiping the building. If you are pouring out and investing in others, you need to make sure that you're being invested in it, that you're taking care of your spiritual soul and your spiritual health as well so that you can be poured out into others. It's very difficult to minister and meet the needs of other people when you are, um, when you're not full and when you're not being, um, as fulfilled as you can be to be able to give that back to other people. So it's so important that um, not just, I don't want to say just pastors, but I think that anyone that is investing and mentoring and pouring into another person, they need to make sure that they are spiritually healthy, that they are spiritually full, that they are still spending time in God's Word, that they are still talking to God daily, multiple times throughout the day, um, so that they can be filled with what they need to be able to lead other people. I know you mentioned that Broadmoor already began streaming services a while ago, so the transition wasn't as difficult. But is this is this allowing you to reevaluate some ways that you guys normally operate um, to change some things up for the future or in case another public health crisis like this happens? Yeah, I think one of the things that um, it became very evident to us quickly was that our people still needed community, and even if they were watching online, they needed to feel like they were still engaging with other believers. So one of the things that we did um, create immediately was a platform for our life groups, which is um, a lot of churches call them Sunday school classes or groups, whatever the reference is. It's just biblical community where believers are getting together and they're studying God's Word. 
And so we created online platforms using Zoom and Teams and Facebook Live to make sure that our life groups in those communities could still meet together, they could still see each other, and they were still walking through life day in and day out together. And that's been really interesting to watch that evolve and evolve so quickly and to hear people say, you know, this might be something that we want to continue once we are able to get back in the building, to still use this platform so that our groups can connect. Um, I think it's been very obvious to us that you can still be the church and not be in the church. And I think that's always been God's mission for us, is that the church wasn't ever designed to get stuck in a building. Uh, and so I think this is um, just reminding us that we can still worship Him and we can still connect with others in a different platform, but still pointing back towards the same effort. So as we've talked and, um, you know, as, as a group and as a staff said, what does this look like for the future? I think, you know, one of the things we'll definitely consider is, um, you know, how do we engage our online audience? How do we continue this? How do we make sure these opportunities in these forums are still out there if we see that they are successful in keeping people connected and in God's Word? Jerry Young is pastor of New Hope, uh, of the 3,000-member congregation at New Hope, excuse me, let me say that was Pepper Carter, communications and events minister at Broadmoor Baptist Church in Madison. Jerry Young is pastor over the 3,000 member congregation at New Hope Baptist Church in Jackson. He admits there are some challenges transitioning Sunday morning worship services online, but he tells our Ashley Norwood it would be irresponsible for the church to ignore experts and their guidelines. New Hope Church is um, is a fairly large church. Uh, we have close to 3,000 active members at one time or the other, and uh, we have never had a situation like this before. So how difficult was it for you to decide not to congregate underneath this roof? Well, to be honest with you, it wasn't that difficult for me once we received all of the information. We received the, uh, the data from uh, the CDC, from the health department, and I have a person who is a physician, uh, who is head of our health ministry here in the church. And uh, so we relied basically on um, the information we received from them and from her, and I followed her guidance. And so it wasn't very difficult for me, primarily because I was concerned to make sure that we were compassionate toward not only the members of our church, but toward the community. We all know that historically, you know, people come to church to receive healing, um, encouragement in troubled times. And this is a troubled time. How do you respond to people at home trying to deal with this new norm? And and you yourself as a pastor, how are you trying to deal with the new norm? Well, actually, this is the first time that we have live streamed since I've been at New Hope Church. I have actually uh, rejected every offer to do this. Um, It's not my cup of tea. All right. Uh, But because it is indeed a new paradigm, it's a new norm. And um, so we've got to we've got to make the changes. We've got to make the the, uh, kind of changes that allow us to minister to people. So that's why I'm that's why I'm live streaming. Um, And we have a number of other initiatives in place where where we are actually reaching our our members. We're making all kinds of uh, uh, changes to make sure that we can somehow continue to minister uh, during this time of uncertainty, and particularly because the paradigm is changing. How are you responding to people who think that those who aren't congregating at church are um, succumbing to fear? Yes. Well, you know, it's unfortunate. It, it's really unfortunate that there are persons who believe that they should criticize persons who 
choose to follow the advice of the authorities and the like and and somehow argue that it's 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 a lack of faith on their part i mean i don't know of anything that could be further from the truth i I said on last sunday that sometime we have to make a distinction between faith and foolishness Um, you know it is obvious that all facts are not contrary to faith and 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 in this case and i've said this over and over again faith and reason are not adversaries Faith is the completion of reason. So you can use reason without ignoring faith. Faith becomes the completion of reason. I mean, so I don't have an issue with that. I wish other preachers and pastors who see it differently, I don't criticize them, but I would say to them that at some point you've got to be concerned about more than your own safety and the safety of the people in your church. You've got to be concerned about the community. If this virus spreads throughout the community, the whole community is endangered. And so I, I, I would argue that strongly that uh, persons need to rethink this and understand that there is a difference between faith and foolishness. Jerry Young is pastor of New Hope Baptist Church in, Church in Jackson. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.